As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, Episode 12, where we watch and break down video, and we look at every place so you don't have to. All you have to do is download us, listen to your, uh, listen to us on your Monday morning commute. I'm Tom in the Washington D.C. Outpost, and I'm here with Nick, who's holding down the fort in Houston. Hey, Nick. Yes, sir. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, uh, the most important thing about this game for me is that it justified me staying up until midnight because it is tough getting through a Monday on five hours of sleep. Fair enough, let alone on a loss to one of the worst teams in the NFL. That being said, we didn't lose to one of the worst teams in the NFL. We actually won the game and are now sitting pretty at 9-2. and two. Best record in a long time for the Steelmen. First but place, must, baby. But I got to say, I stayed up the extra 30 minutes to midnight because my heart was palpitating. I needed to make a card call to a cardiologist. That, that just went down to the wire. We need to make some lifestyle changes because I have the same exact issue. Just staring blankly at the iPhone screen, replaying AB's sideline catch over and over again until it quelled my palpitations. I've had visions of making Huntley a um, an MVP. That's what happened. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job throwing to people with nobody within 20 yards of them. He did fantastic work. College open. Yeah, well, that's that might be might be middle school open. But I digress. Most of Steelers Nation is in a little bit of a frenzy right now. And that kind of included us last night. It's been a weird season. So successful winning a ton of games, but winning super ugly. And you're getting these 14-point lines and having a win on the last play of the game. This isn't the first time this has happened for the Steelers. So here at Steelers Outpost, we're going to break down the game and tell you how the team played compared to what they're expected to do. So we fully acknowledged that it was an ugly way to beat a team like that. And there's some worrisome trends that uh, don't bode great for the future. But at the same time, you got to enjoy watching football. Like, how can we go through this whole season and not be happy with a single one of the victories, really? When you beat the Chiefs, well, the offense didn't score in the red zone. When you just had one of the coolest last-second victories you've seen in a long time, oh, well, they gave up 28 points to the Packers. Listen, you should enjoy seeing legends doing legendary things. What Antonio Brown did on Sunday night was unbelievable. Ben Roethlisberger looking like himself. Le'Veon Bell making jukes and moves that no other fan base gets to watch their running back do. What drama. That was art to watch them play. Yeah, it wasn't the way that you wanted it to, but there are a lot of encouraging things from that game that, uh, that actually do bode well going forward for the Steelers. And at the same time, 
man, that was an amazing football game. You watch the replay of that game a couple years from now without the context. It's just a cool game to watch. Indeed. This podcast is all about style points. Otherwise, we'd just be flipping coins and looking at the final score. That's right. But we like football. So enjoy it while you watch it because it was stressful the entire time. But the finished oh, product was, was nice. It's a luxury having the skilled players we do and um, some of the players on defense. Yeah. But let's get into the three themes of the game. First identifiable theme is one that's continuing is the pass defense, which appears to be in crisis, especially as we approach the Patriots game. Thank goodness for Aaron's uh, broken clavicle. Absence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, luckily we were able to play the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers is sans Aaron Rodgers, and they still gave us some trouble, but you you play who's on the schedule. I mean, the Patriots just beat Matt Moore in the in the Dolphins. So I'm not so concerned about that. It's just the trend of super long pass touchdowns to completely uncovered receivers is alarming. This is three games in a row now where, you know, they had two against the Colts. They had one against the Titans and, and two again uh, this game. So there are some serious issues that have to be fixed, particularly with Artie Burns. And uh, with some of the tackling after some of those big plays. But we'll get more into that, more in depth as we move on to the defense. But we can't deny it. The pass defense is in a crisis. Theme number two. We are gleeful that the killer bees are back and buzzing. You've got Ben. You have a bee. And you have Levy on. And I still want to add Boz. But uh, uh, regardless, killer bees. I'm not going to argue against Boz. He redeemed himself from that mixed extra point. But we'll talk about him a little bit later. Obviously, hitting the longest field goal in Heinz Field history for a pro player. I think there was a college guy who actually hit a 54-yarder. But longest field goal for a pro player in Heinz Field history on the last play of the game is pretty sweet. But, man, A.B. is the team MVP. I think this goes without saying at this point in the season. He's looked great all year. Ben and Le'Veon have been good players, but not quite up to their usual standards. And they emerged on Sunday. And it was a thing of beauty. Very beautiful. Exquisite, even. So if you got those guys rolling, my goodness, now you're starting to feel comfortable and confident that when those superstars are rolling, you get the feeling that the Steelers could beat anyone. They just got to put both sides together. So good news. The Bees are finally back buzzing again. Theme number three, and this is repetitive, sorry, but it continues to be a problem. We play down to the level of our competition. Yeah, it's amazing. We play up to the level of our competition too, but it's 100% of the games. Every single time you play a bad team, every game is close. No such thing as a blowout. That is a problem. That is an issue because some of this stuff just needs to get cleaned up and it's repeat problems. Now... There were a lot of themes that we talked about from early in the season that were fixed over the last couple games. But now there are some new ones that have emerged, particularly with the long touchdown kind of stuff. But either way, Steelers got to get a general level of consistency. Hopefully they'll be hitting their stride here at the end of the season when they can start putting it together on both sides of the ball. But come on, man. The, they, these guys just lost, what, 23-0 to the Ravens in Green Bay. That's no good. That's not a good team. You need to blow them out. We're going to move on to our five Pivotal plays. First one uh, that we, we've listed is A.B. sideline catch. First and 10 at the Pittsburgh 30, 17 seconds to go. 
23 yards on a rope from Ben, and you could tell he caught that just with the foot drag, with the way he was kicking up the grass and dirt, but obviously so close they had to check it. It was a Nobody play. makes that catch. Whenever Antonio Brown makes a catch on the sideline, there have been so many times where he makes that catch and you would think, if it were any other receiver, you would think, oh, there's no way he caught that. But I just have a habit of saying, if he catches it and he's on the sideline, you're going to be amazed at what the replay shows. And sure enough, he caught that. No one's got the, got, the, got the brass balls to make that throw. And no one's got the skills to make that catch, except for Big Benny and A.B. What an unbelievable play by A.B. He just keeps topping himself. Every time he has a play of the year, he tops it over and over again. We've been saying it every single week, and the guy does it again. Well, if you heard Ben's interview after the game, he was somewhat nonplussed when asked about that catch. He said he was more impressed by Le'Veon's game and uh, the use of Le'Veon to bail himself out of it. He said not not to, not to understate the uh, accomplishment, but he's so used to seeing A.B. do those things. It's not quite the wow. It doesn't have quite the wow factor as it does for the rest of us. He says that's his favorite thing to say after the game. I mean, A.B.'s catch at the end of the Cleveland Browns game was sort of similar, the jump ball, and Ben said it after that. The crazy... Uh, miraculous tipped touchdown catch to win the game against the Chiefs. He said the same thing after that. I mean, he's had so many of these things. It's it's crazy. Then the helmet catch. Call God, baby. He said the same thing after that. And, and we keep saying the same thing, too. The guy just keeps outdoing himself. He's had some amazing years. But, man, this one is shaping up maybe to be the best of all of them. He had three touchdowns in the first nine games. He's up to five in the past two. So, obviously... That's going to be a memorable Steelers play for a long time. That's pivotal play number one. Pivotal play number two, Randall Cobb's 39-yard uh, touchdown catch. So 25-yard pass in the air. Uh, Cobb goes for, for the first down. Artie was uh, actually busy tripping up Mike Mitchell from t- making the tackle. Right. Artie was doing the thing that Artie does, where he vacates his zone and lets people score long touchdowns on him. It's a very alarming trend. We've pointed this out a couple of weeks in a row. The guy just lacks some certain discipline in those zone coverages, and he was just completely out of position, got sucked in covering a guy inside. He had no business going there. Yet another wide-open touchdown uh, against our supposed number one corner. He's got a long way to go. Pivotal play number three. Another long touchdown, 55-yarder to Devontae Adams. Yeah, this one was almost identical to the one that uh, Cody Sensabaugh led up against the Titans with Rashard Matthews. He just got beat. He got beat on a double move in this case, which, you know, it it might happen. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. You got to give credit to Adams for the route. But not only did he get burned something awful, he, he and Mike Mitchell missed the tackle afterwards, which is exactly what him and Golden did against Rashard Matthews and the Titans. So maybe it's Cody Sensabaugh. He's, he's, he's allergic. These safeties are allergic to him, and they become allergic to tackling. But either way, two giant pass plays. What did we say last week? If you cut out the 50-yard touchdown passes, then you're holding teams like 10 points a game, and it holds true yet again. So we had to include both of those in the top five pivotal plays. Pivotal play number four. This is uh, the T.J. Watt sack. I'll just set it up for you. There's a minute and 20 left in the game. Green Bay has the ball, first and 10, and it's 18. Uh, with, as I said, a minute and 20 left, that was, that was a perfect amount of time for them to drive down and get a field goal, leaving no time for the Steelers. But T.J. Watt came in for the sack 
we're fortunate that he didn't get called for the helmet to helmet. Right. Yeah, that was a big play because once they lost yardage on that first play, they probably weren't going to be trying to chuck it down the field with Brent Huntley. And then obviously their running back goes out of bounds on the next play and actually gives the Steelers a timeout. I mean, basically save them from having to use it. But that TJ Watt sack, not only was it a beautiful play, but it was crucial. It, it basically insinuated, hey, Steelers, we might get the ball back now. Now, when you get it back with 17 seconds, doesn't seem like the greatest thing in the world, but it turns out that it was. Great play by TJ Watt. He was out in coverage, and he sped in like a damn demon, bat out of hell, to crush the head of Brett Huntley. But big-time play. Got lucky that they didn't get the call there, but the Packers, you know, they got away with a few themselves too. So it was just a nice play. Pivotal play number five, as you mentioned, uh, Boswell's 53-yard field goal winner. Um, so that, that's a Heinz Field record, isn't it? Yeah, for NFL. Like I said before, I think there's a college guy who had a 54-yarder, but he is clutch, that guy. I would say so. Ice water running through that dude's veins, just pulsing out of his forehead, just condensation frosting over the top of his eyelids. He does not care. I've obviously, when he lines up for the kick, you're nervous <laughs> given the circumstance and given the fact that we know that he hasn't kicked one that long before. But at the same time, the weather conditions were pretty good, and he just has a good history winning games like that. And Boswell is the man. He's definitely the fourth killer B right now. Martavis, more on him later, but he's got to work his way back up. He's switched spots with Boz. Huge. Don't, didn't need that game going to overtime. And the Boz man, he ensured that it did not. Thank you. I was getting a little tired by that time. Although my palpitations kept me awake. Let's move into the offensive grades. Offensive grades. So the offense, 462 total yards, 341 yards of passing and 121 rushing. We did experience, we still have the uh, turnover bug, three turnovers. But we managed mm-hmm. to amp up our third down conversion ratio to 62%. Yep. This was the offense's best game. The three turnovers kind of mar the statistics because it kept uh well i guess mar not really just well the statistics and the outcome a little bit because those are what kept green bay in the game especially considering that we didn't take the ball away from them at all but those were some funky fluky turnovers a little bit and those happen you know the one tipped ball and then uh Le'Veon had done some sort of michael jackson spin maneuver where he landed on the ground and the guy just luckily got the ball out of his hands and then the first interception that Ben threw to uh, trying to go to Eli, that was bad. But look, this was the most complete game they played. Ben had a great second half against the Colts. He had a great second half against the Titans. This was Ben's best game. And the greatest thing about it is the dude is heating up. He's starting, we, we said throughout the season, he's playing a little bit better and better. Ironically, I think the first game where he started playing well was the Jaguars game in between the disasters. <laughs> he was playing okay. So now he's really heating up. I thought they played a complete game. And then the situational football was so much better. Third down and red zone. We've been saying it all season. If you could just bump those uh, percentages up just a little bit, it's going to make such a huge difference for the team. Eight of 13 on third down, 62%. That's probably high for the season. Red zone, three for three, three touchdowns. And if you add in there was a successful two-point conversion to A-B, that's almost like four for four in the red zone. That's a big day. They started to get some momentum doing that. And 
the offense was looking good. I like. I guess the last thing I'll say about it, we've already kind of talked about the talked about the the bees coming back alive, which is a huge reason for them looking good. But now that Todd Haley has has started to lean on the pass game again, the Steelers have got the rhythm. And I know Ben and some of the receivers might have been preventing that earlier in the season, but now that he's getting his swing, we went with 45 pass plays and 25 rush plays. The thing's coming alive, and it's starting to resemble this the Killer Bees era offense. So. Looking very good from the offense. We're going to give them a grade of A minus. Moving on. Minus is just because of the turnovers. Moving on to Ben. As you mentioned, he had a prolific game. This is the second game in a row where he had a half uh, where he completed over 80% of his throws. He was 73% completion rate for the game without counting the five drop passes. Yeah, and they were bad drop passes too. I mean, you could the Justin Hunter drop touchdown in the end zone. You could say that one had a degree of difficulty to it, but but I, I actually don't even believe that. I think that that's a pretty routine catch for a guy his size with the ball in both of his hands. But Ben played fantastic. Thirty three of forty five should have been even better than that. Three fifty one, four touchdowns for the second week in a row. It, this is really exciting. You're watching him come alive, and and that's. Very good. We so, much so, so much so that he led the team in rushing average. He he was uh, lumbering down the field quite gracefully, and if by gracefully I mean in a way that is terrifying to watch. But he had two rushing first downs. Man, he he ambulated, starting to get his his rhythm going. So it's great, and and also some of the things that we talked about before, where the pocket movement has been lacking all year, it's coming back. He's just getting confident. He's stepping up in the pocket. Maybe too confident with some of those runs. <laughs> Don't love seeing those. But, hey, they worked. He's making some throws to the middle of the field for the first time. One bad interception. The other one was unlucky. Really liked the game from Ben. I'm going to give him an A+. A+. Let's move on to Le'Veon Bell. He was uh, 20 carries for 95 yards, reaching 4.8 average per carry. He had a career-high 12 receptions. Uh, on 14 targets for 88 yards. He had 183 yards total on the day. Le'Veon's best game of the season, too, for real. When he's had great flashes this year and he's leading the league in rushing, so you you know that there's been something missing a little bit, but after watching this game, you realize just how much was missing because this was, oh, this is Le'Veon Bell. This is the guy that we've been watching where you can say, Without hesitating, this is the best running back in the league. That was who was playing on Sunday. He looked like Le'Veon. He was breaking tackles constantly. Every run he had, he gained another two yards up, like during the tackle. So not even counting the broken tackles. When he was getting tackled, he was dragging the guy for two yards. He had countless occasions where he made guys miss in space. That's what we complained about for the past two weeks. Usually when he gets that one-on-one on the outside, he twists him into the ground. And you, he hadn't been doing that recently. Did you catch Chris Collinsworth's uh, characterization of Le'Veon as a hypnotist? He called him a hypnotist, and he's right because I, I could watch that all day. Put me right to bed. Just spinning Sweet out dreams. there. Spinning out there. It was beautiful. You know the the thing that really separated him the past few years, and why I say he's the best running back in the league, is because even if you shut down the run, you can't stop him because he gets those dump off passes, and. When he's one-on-one with the linebacker, traditionally over the course of his career, he's untackleable. This year, he had been getting brought down on those. So he looked like himself. It was a great receiving day. 
and he played fantastic. I, we do have to downgrade him a little bit because another fumble. I know it was a tricky play, but can't be doing that. That's very un-Le'Veon-like, and that's two in the last couple games or three games or whatever it is. So Le'Veon Bell, very encouraging from him. He gets a grade of A. Which takes us to Antonio Brown. Ten receptions, 169 yards, and two touchdowns. That's ten receptions on 12 targets, people. Yes, yeah, so all the headlines are about Antonio Brown today, and I don't have any problem with that. We make it kind of a habit on this podcast to not talk for too long about Antonio Brown because it's all so freaking obvious. He's making his case as one of the best Steelers players ever. He's absolutely unstoppable. He definitely has this great chemistry with Ben. I don't think I don't think people are giving Ben enough credit for some of the throws he makes to Antonio, but Oh my goodness. The guy is a legend. Wouldn't have won that game without him. There's a bunch of games we wouldn't win without Antonio Brown. He's the man. Let's be a little obvious here. Antonio Brown gets a grade of A+. Moving on to the other wide receivers. Uh, Seven receptions for 61 yards. Martavis Mm. Bryant placed back there on kickoff return, also demonstrating his nimble fingers as he uh, fumbled away a kickoff, among other things. Well, he had a nice one, too, in there. So he, he did kind of nice zero-sum game there. But it's, it's undependable. Independable. Well, we know, we Indefensible. know that. <laughs> a little bit. And Eli, uh, <laughs> Eli, we understand now why it's been so long getting him on the field. Yeah, he's not good at catching the ball. Which is important when your job is you know, to catch the ball. the ball. Yeah. Right. The wide receivers... I'm encouraged by Marty. I think that right now he has kind of this sustainable pace, this three, four catch a game where he's catching a couple first downs. He had a really nice catch on a slant. Another one where he jumps up, catches it high on a third down play where Ben knows, hey, this is my big receiver. I can put it up for him and I can put it fast and I can trust him to make the catch. Granted, he dropped another one of those earlier in the game. So he benefited from the second chance. He's Touchdown was the best route I've ever seen him run. It was beautiful. It was a great throw by Ben. He made a nice little move inside. He got even with the cornerback. And as Ben said after the game, if he's even, he's leaving. And he put it up, ran under it, caught it. Beautiful. Love it. Eli Rogers, he's getting open. It's kind of it's cool. You you watch him play and you're like, oh yeah, I remember how good he was last year. And then he drops pass after pass, and you remember, oh yeah, I am very glad that we have Juju and I hope he's back soon. So I think Eli has actually regressed. And we already went over the Justin Hunter drop touchdown. Not cool, dude. We need a little bit more from the receivers. Stop dropping the ball. Wide receivers get a grade of C. Offensive line leading the way for Le'Veon. Since we dinged them when he doesn't run, uh, we're going to give them some credit when he does get 95 yards, which does not count Ben's alacrity in his scrambles. But we had uh, a five-yard average for running backs, if you do count Ben for the day, uh, Ben was sacked only one time. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll, I might pin that on him. He sort of yeah, he held the ball for a while there. there. The big boys were moving. They were moving and grooving. They were rolling around like a little team of boulders, little fast snowballs just barreling down the mountain, picking up steam and size as they went along. Maybe even some debris. You don't want to get in front of that. You could get a stick in your eye, your trachea. It can be bad news for you. They played well. When we watched the film. Were they penalized? I mean, the fact that Hubbard's name doesn't even come up, it's just, it's awesome to have that kind of depth. 
yeah, he played a good game. And even Gerald Hawkins actually got in there as a as a extra Indeed. tight end a couple times, which is kind Jumbo. of interesting. Maybe they're breeding him for a Hubbard type role, just trying to get him some snap uh, some snaps. But yeah, they got a push. It was very evident rewatching the game. They were pushing Green Bay's defensive line, not the other way around. They definitely did a, a pretty good job keeping Ben upright. He did a great job moving around in the pocket. But overall, they did it real good. They get a grade of A. Taking this to the tight ends, uh, Vance McDonald still out, and it's noticeable. Or he, um, yeah. Tight ends had four receptions for 33 yards and a touchdown. We do call that a reception to Xavier, Xavier Grimble. Even though it looked like a little shuffle pass. So that was awesome to see him in there and scoring. They had one drop pass, Jesse. Shades yeah, that of was year one pregame. Shades of Jesse happening again. Interestingly enough, rewatching the game, I saw that they were actually putting Xavier Grimble there in a lot of the blocking situations. And he traditionally has been the worst blocking tight end on the team, which is actually kind of saying a lot because Jesse James is on the team. But he looks like he's improved a little bit in his blocking. Definitely better than Jesse. They, we just need a little bit more from them. They, they sometimes get manhandled in the blocking game and the drop. That's not cool. Uh, it's going to be very welcome when old Vance, old McDonald comes back. We got to give them a grade of C plus. C plus. Sorry, I'm getting back to, um, I think we gave, we gave them a C plus. Excellent. All right. Take us on to the coaches. And we'll start with Mike Tomlin because he is the leader. Again, the team won, figured out a way to win. Got to give him credit for that. And the offense, as you said, looks like it's sitting on all cylinders right now. Some mistakes to be expected, but hey, we scored 30 points. Again, move it, going back to our themes, this team is playing to the level of its competition, and it cannot continue to do so. Too risky. No, can't do it. Too risky. Not good. Listen, regarding the offense, what's great about Mike Tomlin and this coaching staff is they're not afraid they don't live in their fears they don't play in their fears one of his favorite sayings when they opened it up a week or two ago for ben you know the whole season they had been running the ball 50 percent of the time sometimes more than 50 percent of the time and ben hadn't really been showing his best game they hadn't really been chucking the ball around in the way that we're used to seeing him do it and when they opened it up for him they committed to it you know, and the second half of that Titans game, the second half of the Colts game is when he got his rhythm. And they're brave enough to say, hey, we still believe in this quarterback. We know that these teams we're facing are deficient in this area, and we're going to roll with him. And I think that gave him a chance to get his momentum. And now they're reaping the rewards from it. Also, love his decision to go for it on fourth down from the goal line on that first drive. I, I was. I definitely root for it when they're in that situation on the first drive. You know, even if you don't score, you got them pinned back. And I just think that the offense was moving so well. I had confidence that they would be able to score. Todd Haley drew up a great play. It was a great way to start the game. But, dude, like, like you said, I mean, the Packers are not a good team. They're not going to sniff the playoffs. I mean, their name is the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers is. And they didn't even have discount double-check Aaron Rodgers playing. So I don't understand how you keep it that close. Not cool, but 9-2. and two. This team knows how to win. Another beautiful comeback win. We'll give them credit, but we got to dip them because the Aaron Rodgers is without Aaron Rodgers. They suck. Mike Tomlin gets a grade of C. But Toddy, Toddy Haley, he is the da Vinci of the programming of the first drive. Because you could just count on scoring. 
which actually sometimes is a negative harbinger because after that we sort of go down. But it was a very creative first drive, uh, a lot of variety, and you pointed out before, this, this offense is evolving. Pass heavy, run heavy, pass heavy. It's hard to predict. Yeah. They've switched kind of game to game or even in portions of the season. And like I said, I like that they have the confidence to do that because they needed to let Ben get on a roll, I feel like. And now that they have, I think he's in a groove. And we're going to keep seeing that. That two-point conversion play, I just want to do a little note about that because we've kind of talked about some of the other ones already. The two-point conversion was A.B. doing a little drag route, which is like sort of similar to the play that won the game on the Immaculate Extension against the Ravens a few years ago or last year, and they run it all the time on third down. A.B. just kind of drags a couple yards off the line of scrimmage, and Ben throws it to him quick. I don't think this was intentional, but A.B. came across the middle, and there was a linebacker in his way, and then he actually just shot up behind him. He kind of squeaked behind, and it looked like a classic A.B. Ben improvisational little dipsy do there, just a little America, God bless you, a little hit him where it hurts kind of deal, but if that was improvised, they should make that into a play because they run that little drag with A-B so often that it's nice to have a little move off of that. And I think that Todd Haley is getting really good at building plays over the course of a season because even on that play, they faked the little screen to Jesse James, which they got a first down on earlier and they've scored touchdowns on before. So Todd Haley is also hitting his stride. He's doing a great job. He gets a grade of A. <laughs> I struggled a little bit with the grade for um, Keith Butler because I didn't think the, the the strategy was bad. It seemed to be more poor player execution. Yeah, I did notice that the Packers' offensive line uh, offered pretty good protection, and even though there weren't any uh, explosive plays on on the ground game, they did have a few gashing plays, and the offense offensive line seemed to move really well against us. Um, and I, I really need to chalk up those explosive passing plays to, again, execution. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the scheme seemed pretty good. I think there was a – when they scored their touchdown, the last touchdown, the run play, it was because the Steelers were getting a little cute with some of those stunts, and it stunted Bud Dupree out of the play. But, I mean, that's kind of being nitpicky. I got to grade him kind of the same way that we've graded Tomlin over the course of the season, where we say – you may not be out there making the plays, but there's certain things about the culture that you're cultivating or the discipline that you are instilling or not instilling in the team that that like that's your fault. You you get credit for that when you're Tomlin and your team wins close games. But we also got to ding you when they make <laughs> games against bad team closer than they need to be. So these lapses, particularly in the secondary are so consistent. They're happening every day. I mean, that's your job right now is to find a way to stop making those happen. And I know you can't be on the field, but they keep happening. So he's got to shore that up. That That is really up to him to get his players on that page. But overall, yeah, I agree. The strategy was okay. We'll give him a grade of C. So the defense was sort of a mixed bag. If you compare what we allowed the Packers versus our average. I mean, 28 points are, we, we allow an average of 16 and a half points. We gave up 307 yards under the NFL average, but well over our average of 287. And we gave up 65% uh, in completion percentages. So yeah, uh, pass game, not impressive. On the other hand, we generally give up almost 100 yards rushing. We gave up only 80 yards or 3.3 yards per carry. And... Um, 
So on balance, though, the the poor passing game overwhelmed the uh, good showing on the ground game. Yeah, those numbers are really telling because the score should have never been that close. It's just showing you this comes down to those giant explosive plays. The Steelers murdered them in terms of yardage and time of possession and everything like that. Uh, the defense, once again, did a good job against the run. I mean, the Green Bay Packers have one of the worst run offenses in the whole league, so that is expected. But, hey, you got to do your job. They also have one of the worst pass offenses now that they don't have A-Rod, and you let that happen. So we'll give them credit for the for stopping the run. They didn't have any runs over 10 yards in the game, so they really did a good job bottling it up. They got four sacks. They, this team sacks a lot more than they did a few years ago. It kind of just creeped along and never came back to this James Harrison Lamar Woodley, Joey Porter, Clark Higgins kind of thing. But the pressure comes from all over the place. Four sacks, that's pretty nice. All of them in the second half. They did some good things, but you just let up 28 points to a team that scored zero points at home last week. I mean, you if you take those explosive plays out of the game, it's a different game. But uh, those happened. <laughs> if you take away Poswell's 53-yard field goal, we lose the game. But uh, he didn't. He made it. So we won the game. Defense, it was disappointing. They didn't play that great. They get a grade of D+. plus. But I think uh, the defensive line acquitted itself well. 11 tackles, 3 sacks from that uh, defensive line, 4 quarterback hits, and 4 tackles for loss. I am voting for Cam for president. He personally had 6 tackles and 2 sacks and 3 of the 4 quarterback hits for the line. Cam's the man. Cam's the he man. is – what a breakout season. Like we said before, he has always been a good player, but he has really turned into a great player, probably the best player in this defense right now, honestly, in terms of consistency and in terms of what he is doing physically, just asserting himself. You saw him pushing the whole game. It's a great sign with him. I still think, too, it's coming along, making some nice plays in the backfield, but Cam is a steadying presence there. He's a real beast man. That part of the of the defense – you got some confidence in them. We'll give them a grade of A. So the inside linebackers had 12 tackles and one tackle for loss. And as we pointed out before, the rushing game was held in check. And although the rushing game did not yield anything over 10 yards, actually didn't yield more than nine yards, there were some gash plays. And unfortunately, on one of the plays, Shazier got sucked inside, which led to the 54-year-old yard touchdown screen pass. Yeah, classic. I mean, and Shazier definitely missed a few tackles, but he also made a couple incredible plays. I mean, we, we sound like a broken record here, but that's what he does. His pass defense was incredible, that one where he knocked down. It is worth noting that it was terrifying when he went out of that game, and we're going to have to monitor that ankle. Hopefully he heals quickly, and hopefully he's able to keep playing because while Cam may be playing the best of the defensive players right now, without a doubt Shazier is the most valuable because of what he enables Keith Butler and the Steelers to do defensively. Because he's so rangy, it enables them to do some unpredictable and kind of crazy things. So much like Troy enabled Dick LeBeau to do back in the day. Let's hope he's okay. But, you know, he's, so a lot of the big plays this year have been because of those inside linebackers out, like overrunning things or just not getting their face on the ball. When we need a little bit more of that, we'll give them a grade of B-. minus. Minus. In the not-so-good news section, we're moving, moving on to the outside linebackers who had eight tackles and a sack. Um, 
Huntley was contained. He didn't get it. Uh, he didn't get to rush that much. And I would say the TJ was was very active, swat, trying to swat down passes. Uh, he dropped back nicely. But damn it, Bud doesn't bring any pressure, and he doesn't seem to be adding anything. Yeah, nobody's talking about this. We're well, like Bud the looks, only people Bud, out there talking about this. Bud's like a pebble in a rushing stream who gets washed with it and doesn't resist it, damming up that water pressure. Yeah, he's got no pass rush moves, and he's just I'm, – I'm worried about his his production. I'm surprised people aren't talking more about it. I mean, obviously, he does a decent job holding down the run and the contain, but we need more from him in the pressure front, and I don't see it improving. So that's something to keep an eye on, especially if you assume that T.J. Watt, he'll – you know, he's a rookie. There's a wall to be hit. He might fade down the stretch, although he's, he's playing well right now. He's making some really athletic plays, and he, he seems to be really healthy now. So that, that's a bright side. But they're, they're definitely not one of the strong suits of the defense. They're not a disaster like this next group, but they're not one of the strong suits. We'll give them a grade of C+. Plus. C+. Plus. And unfortunately, we're going to have to grade the cornerbacks, uh, who uh, had 11 tackles and one tackle for loss. And the best thing I can say about the cornerbacks is already had a couple of nice tackles in space, one-on-one. And so did the silver bullet, but we expect that from Mike Hilton, the silver bullet. Mike Hilton, the silver bullet, who unfortunately did not have his uh, patented sack this time. Wasn't in the backfield yeah. that much. Yeah, but what's up with that? The missed tackles and the three, um, the three touchdown passes sort of say it all. They do, yeah. And not, they give up the long passes, and then they never make the tackle after. It's incredible. They're easy tackles to make, and they just slide right off these guys. So that's pathetic. They're terrible. They are in the same way that Ben lost the game against the Jaguars by throwing some pick sixes. That's what the cornerbacks are doing to the Steelers right now. That is very alarming going forward. I do promise you the Patriots know what's going on with that. Don't like it. Cornerbacks get a grade of F. F. Maybe we're just not showing our uh, the defense we're going to deploy. This is actually the greatest red herring of all. I mean, we're nine and two, so and we haven't even played defense yet. Imagine what happens when we start doing that. Moving on to the safeties, uh, who had seven tackles. I didn't have uh, much good to say. I mean, Sean Davis again. You know, he makes all the tackles, but he misses tackles, and he he wasn't a big help on some of those long pass plays. Although I will say, he got kind of caught up in the wash a couple of times. The secondary was bad last year, and I think it's almost regressed this year. I remember people assuming that it would be improved this year, and I, I honestly didn't really see that happening. I, I, the only thing that we were hoping preseason, we were talking about, you would hope that you would see a jump from Artie and Sean Davis, who looked a little promising at the end of last season. You have not seen a jump for them. Sean Davis has missed a ton of tackles. We've already talked about Artie plenty. Sean Davis completely overran the – Sean Davis was like blindfolded on the 54-yard screen. He just flailed his arms in the air and ran past everybody out of bounds. I, I have no idea what he was doing. Mike Mitchell, first game back from injury, he had a little bit of a rough one. Not so much in the pass coverage. He didn't really have the opportunity for that. They didn't really throw at, at him very much, but he, he missed some tackles and some of those long ones. They didn't play that great either. They get a grade of D+. plus. plus. So that winds out the grades. Um... But the most important statistic, Steelers 31, Packers 28. Yeah, and we ended on a bunch of negative stuff. Maybe we shouldn't have ended on the secondary for the grades, but I do see tremendous improvement in the Steelers. I mean, think about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, 
even maybe you know closer than that would you what were you thinking of the Steelers offense this was a disaster it looked like it it may never come true and look how far they've come they've taken some big strides and I think they're starting to get some momentum if you just clean up some of this big play stuff in the secondary the Steelers could really round into form they're super talented there's some guys who are really improving and I think that this team has a great chance to peak at the right time. So I know it was kind of a negative end to the podcast, but this is some great stuff for the Steelers. And to be able to win like that, that's crazy. I mean, we haven't spent any time talking about the fact that we got the ball with 17 seconds left in our own territory and won a tie game and won the game. Antonio Brown is outrageous. Antonio Brown for president. Why is nobody talking about him for MVP of the NFL yet? It's baffling. It's downright damn disrespectful, I tell you. Well, next week we uh, well the next two weeks we have two AFC game AFC divisional games. games. Last time we met the Bengals, we scored until this game we scored our most points twenty nine to fourteen. This time we're going to Bengal Bengali. Yes. <laughs> yep. So the Bengals that's going to be a tough game. They still have a good defense and they have a mass murderer on the team, which I never like uh, us having to deal with. And then the Ravens afterwards, who are really starting to round into form. They've gotten healthy. They're going to be tough. These are two super tough games. I know we want to look forward to the Patriots ones, but you got to take care of these first, especially considering the Patriots are playing a bunch of dumpster fires. These these will be tougher than they look. Although the Bengals did hemorrhage a lot of yardage to the Poop Browns this week, so that that's kind of encouraging. Well, Let's hope that it, the Texans take care of the Ravens tonight on Monday Night Football. Well, what makes it really difficult is that they're both at eight thirty. PM. Might as well be two in the morning. Might as well not go to bed for the next week. No. The the, the adrenaline should carry us through the next day because I do anticipate the Steelman winning both of these games. Hey, this was exciting. It was fun to watch the offense come alive again after just the struggle fest that it's been the whole year. It was fun to watch the big man lead yet another game-winning fourth-quarter drive. Um, Some... Cool, brave throws there to a very bold and beautiful man with perfect smile and cute children. Two were like yeah, two on his knees that we know. Yeah, there were three. There was another one. He was out of frame. So, so we have a website. Got at least four, and he has a new baby. So I think he's he's got a stable. Kind of hard to keep track. We have a website. We'd like you to visit www.steelersoutpost.com. You can leave us a message there. You can email us at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. We still haven't invested in our own domain. And you can hit us up on Twitter, Steelers Outpost. Hit us up, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be happy. Enjoy it. Go watch the replay of the game. Uh, Spoiler alert, we win. So you can stay a little bit less stressed than we were while watching it. And here we go, Steelers. All right. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you again next Monday. Okay, bye-bye. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.